We're going to continue in our, uh, on our remission series this month. We've got this week and one more week. And I just want to begin, we're just going to jump straight into Scripture. So if you guys want to, you can turn your Bibles or it'll be on the screen to John chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. Follow along with me. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. And he says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who come before me, all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't know him. They don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. So each August, we come around, uh, again, this idea of our vision, our mission, our purpose, to grow followers of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's God's calling for, for this church, for every part of this church, not just for, for, for the minister or the elders, but for all of us. Our calling is to grow followers of Jesus Christ. And each August, we come around this vision again. We gather around it again and talk about it, dig deeply in it. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this idea of a can openers, and, and is a can opener still a can opener if it doesn't open cans? And, and is a church still really a church if it's not growing followers of Jesus Christ? And we talked about in Nashville, in our metro area, more than 70% of, of our friends and neighbors don't have a faith. If they claim to have a faith, they aren't living it out. I, I talked to one of my neighbors just the other day, and he said, hey, don't even talk to me about this. I'm a lost cause. Two weeks ago, we talked about hearing the voice of God, and we've used this passage, John chapter 10, kind of as a, as a launching point, as to, to see the example of the good shepherd as, as not just defining our relationship to God, but, but, but as an example for us to follow with our friends and neighbors, to follow the example of the good shepherd. And we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago about hearing the voice of the shepherd. Do you recognize God's voice in your own life? Disciples, followers of Jesus, like good sheep, recognize God's voice. And for us to do that, we have to go through a process of noise detox. And we have to become people of the gentle whispers. Any of this ringing a bell? It is this feeling kind of familiar. We challenge you, are you listening to him? How is God revealing himself to you? How is he speaking to you? Uh, what are the words that he is using? How is he communicating with you? And then how are you sharing that message with your lost cause, friends and neighbors? 
And then last week, uh, we talked about the idea of pastoring. We, we use this word shepherd, which in Latin means pastor. It leads, means to, to set to grazing. It means to literally lead to pasture. And we looked at Psalm 23 as, as, uh, as this incredible prayer that we all love and, and we all just want to snuggle up with like a warm blanket. But we read Psalm 23 as a to-do list. That our role is to lead people by quiet waters, to, to guide them along right paths, to protect, to, to be the servant leaders in our culture, uh, leading people to life, to pastor others as we have been pastored. And so related to this idea of mission and discipleship and growing followers of Jesus Christ, really our, our text for today out of, out of this looking at this good shepherd model is John 10, verse 14, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. The word, uh, the word know is kind of the, kind of the key word, and, and in, uh, it's translated know, but in Greek, the word is gnosko. Can you say that with me? Gnosko. So you just learned Greek. You speak a new language. Jesus says, uh, my sheep, gnosko, my voice. I, Gnosko, my own sheep, and they, Gnosko, me. Like most words, Gnosko, to know, can, can be taken a couple of different ways. Uh, uh, for example, uh, which mechanic do you want working on your car? Do you want the mechanic that has just graduated from tech school, or do you want the mechanic who has been in the business working on cars for 30 years? Which one do you want? They both know about cars, but one of them has knows through experience, right? One of them kind of has this textbook head knowledge, but another one knows because there's, there's grease under his fingernails. Uh, same thing uh, when you go to the doctor. Uh, uh, what doctor do you want coming and, and working on you? Uh, I learned this interesting thing uh, at, at hospitals. Do you know that, uh, that you can always tell like the, like the intern doctors, the ones that, are, that have just, they've graduated from the, from the study side, but haven't really become doctors. You, you know, there's a way you can tell those people from the actual resident doctors who have been doing it and been in that role for a while. It is the length of the coats they wear. I'm telling you. All right, so usually students, intern doctors, when they first graduate, and it's kind of a rite of passage, they get the white coat, you know what I'm talking about? The little doctor's coat, and, and the student's coats are short. They're about waist length. And so if a student, if a doctor comes in wearing that coat, you say, no, please, I would like a long coat. The student has the same knowledge, went to the same school, read the same books, but there is a difference in the gnosko. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, there's a difference in, in the knowing. They have the same level of training and education, but vastly different hands-on experience. And gnosko is an experience word. This isn't just, this isn't just, just head knowledge, but it, but it is something much deeper. It, it is not just knowing about, it is knowing. Are you with me? Um, in my line of work, there are two unforgivable sins, and people will call me out on these occasionally. 
The first sin uh, uh, in my line of work as, as someone who pastors a church, leads a church, is up in front with the lights on me. The, the first unforgivable sin is for me to just completely be wrong about the text. Uh, the first sin for me is to distort the text or to say something the text doesn't say, to say something that's not in Scripture or, or kind of distort it to, my, to, to, to whatever purpose I want. But the second greatest sin, do, do any of you guys know what the second greatest sin for, for pastor preachers is? Yeah. <laughs> Related to that. That never happens here. Um, the, the second greatest sin is um, to make the revelation of God boring. To somehow take something that is, that is full of life and adventure and challenge and comfort and intrigue and mystery and romance and and somehow make it lame or boring. Yet how many of you grew up in churches that absolutely bored you to death? They took something beautiful and magnificent and full of wonder and somehow compressed it and compartmentalized it and, and, and took all the life out of it. Like, uh, I've used this example before, but like many of you uh, growing up, I had a drug problem. Uh, uh, my parents drug me to church on Sunday morning. They drug me to church on Sunday night. They drug me to church on Wednesday night. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and I tell you right now, it's, it, it, it's, happening, it's happening today right now as we speak right now. There are churches sinning against the youth of this generation. There are. Because they're, they're making their services old and stodgy. There, there are churches right now that are forcing memory verses down the necks of, of, of their kids and filling their heads with knowledge about God, with gnosis about God, but while never giving them the opportunity to truly experience the romance and beauty and love and majesty and adventure of what it is to really know Him. Just look around you. How many Christians do you know, men and women, who claim to know God and yet have never, never trusted Him with the decision they, they claim to know all about God, but, but, if, but have never seen Him in the eyes of the poor or, or felt His embrace in, in a song. Shame on all of us who claim to know God and stand here on Sunday mornings rigid and bored before Him. To Gnosko, God, is a deeply intimate experience. Let me give you a perfect example. 
Jesus said, I gnosko my own sheep and my sheep gnosko me. That word gnosko means to know. It's used in other, it's used throughout scripture to, to give you a depth of the intimacy and experience. That, that scripture is actually used by Mary. Remember, the angel comes to Mary, the young virgin, and says, Mary, you are going to give birth to a child. And Mary, in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, listen to what Mary's, thought, Mary's response to the angel is. How can this be since I do not gnosko a man? Are you starting to get a feel of the depth of this word? And it isn't just, a, she isn't just talking about sex or being a virgin. She's talking about intimacy. What she says, I've never known anyone like that. Gnosko is this is more than just knowing about, but it is this 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 deeply intimate experiential knowledge. And Jesus says, I gnosko my sheep, and they gnosko me. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. Um, and, and I need some help. So I know no one volunteers, so I'm just going to call some people up here. Um, Lizzie, such a good volunteer. Actually, Lizzie, I don't need you today. Sorry, I'll pick you another time. Uh, Lizzie, how about this? Lizzie, would you like your parents to come up here? Awesome. All right, would you like to see Kim and Gary come up here? Okay, come right here. You don't have to come on stage, but you have to come up front because your daughter volunteered you. She did this. She did this to you. All right. Guys, this is Kim and Gary. If you haven't met them, they're pretty awesome. Um, Kim and Gary, how long have you all been married? Almost 30 years. 30 years. So in 30 years of being married, would you say that you know each other pretty well? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why does that make you nervous? All right, so let's, let's do this. I'm going to put you on the spot. All right, Kim, I'm going to give you one wish. And, and Gary, you're going to have to guess what that wish is. Kim, I'm going to give you one wish. If there is one thing that, that you, you, you would wish for to make your relationship better. Maybe it's something you, you could add or, or, or something you could take away. If you had one wish to, to make your relationship, ah, this would just, psh, things would just be so much better. I know you have an awesome relationship, an awesome marriage, but, but this would just put things over the top. I want you to try to think about what is one wish all right, and don't, don't tell me because the fun in this game is that we're going to get Gary to guess because you know her so well after 30 years. So tell me when you're ready, Kim, if you had just one wish. <laughs> Remember, we're in a PG rated. <laughs> All right, you have an idea? Oh, she's being so nice. Yeah. Okay. One thing that again, it doesn't. It doesn't. This isn't a reflection that anything's bad, but just man, this would just be. This would be awesome. This would be great if we did this more. Maybe even. He needs to get out of the house. 
Okay. He needs to get out of the house more. But all right, so you got to think of one, but don't tell me because I want him to try to guess. You got to think of another one then. Tell me when you got it. Okay, All right, do you know, she already gave you one, get out of the house more. What would you, what would you say if she had one wish to make your relationship better, what would it be? That I wasn't such a pain. Oh. <laughs> Is that fall in any of your scale? <laughs> All right, why don't we give them a hand, let them go sit back down. All right, what if you uh, uh, turned to your neighbor and played this same game? How would you do? How would you score? Would you feel nervous like they felt? Um, this is actually something that, uh, that an exercise we do in premarital counseling, we do with even married couples. Of, if I gave you one wish, and, and the, the idea is to open up this communication, but, but sometimes we get stuck in this idea of, we lived with someone, we've been married to someone, we've been, we, but I know all about them. And, and the fallacy is that is that, that sometimes we can shut off our, our propensity or desire to learn. You believe their spouse still has things to teach you. You believe there's things that you still can, can be surprised about by your spouse. See, to, to gnosko means to, to, to step very deeply into the, this belief, this passion. To, to, to gnosko means to constantly invest in learning. They, that you're always digging deeper. There, there's always more to know. There's always more to experience. And this process of learning takes time. Gnosko takes time. One of the things I used to do uh, uh, when I was a student pastor, I know you guys hear these stories all the time, but uh, we would go on road trips with teenagers. And one of the things, one of the trips we would take is uh, we took trips from Dallas-Fort Worth all the way to Pensacola, Florida. And we took trips, road trips from Dallas-Fort Worth all the way to uh, uh, deep into Colorado, near Colorado Springs. And so we're, we're in a van with 15 teenagers, which is your idea of heaven, I know. Um, and I'm driving this van, and, and I know I've got the next 12 or 14 hours ahead of me. And so my only rule is whoever is sitting in that co-pilot seat, they don't get to sleep and they don't get to have their headphones in. And, and this thing that I developed was I just began to ask questions. And man, I, I ministered more to teenagers on those road trips, those extended road trips, just because we spent, <laughs> forced, but, but we spent time together. What do you want to be when you grow up? What are your dreams? What are you, what are you afraid of? What are you most excited about this next year? And it was just, my job was just to ask questions. And what was, what was awesome was the teenagers never clued in that I was just asking questions. They just started opening up and all these layers started coming out. And even now, parents come to me and say, oh, my teenager and I, we're just like, shh, shh, shh. we're just not, we're, we're not clicking, we're not button heads. And I'm like, how much time are you spending just for conversation to happen? And, and honestly, one of, my, one of my best pieces of advice for, for parents with teens, if you're, if you're struggling, unplug and go for a walk. Just go for a walk. And watch what happens when you start spending time together again. Gnosko takes time. And, and if we look at the example of the Good Shepherd, 
we see that, that uh, uh, the, if the sheep only spent an hour a week with the shepherd, do you think they would know him? If the sheep only spent an hour a week with the shepherd, do you think they would trust him or, or follow him? But some of you maybe even here think Sunday mornings for an hour is enough, right? To Gnosko, that, that, that happens between sheep and shepherd. It, it, it happens because they, they spend incredible amounts of time together. You know, uh, it, it's an interesting thing to, to outsiders, you know, a shepherd and his flock, all the sheep may look exactly the same, right? They sound the same, they look the same, but to the shepherd, he's able to identify each and every sheep, right? Maybe they have slight changes in, in, in color, but, but the shepherd knows every detail, every eccentricity, every mood. The, the shepherd doesn't just know the names of the sheep. He named the sheep when they were born. Do you see this kind of commitment, this kind of, uh, of time that it takes to gnosko. And the good shepherd says, I gnosko my sheep, and they know me. The sheep have spent enough time around the shepherd that, that uh, even do you think they could recognize when a slight change or inflection in the shepherd's voice? They've spent so much time Together, we're going to put all this even even further together in just a minute. So, gnosko is this commitment to learning. Gnosko takes time, but gnosko also takes intention. Uh, I want to make a distinction that that sheep in the ancient near Near East were primarily used for wool, not for meat. Okay, um, that means that sheep were not food but were a valued resource. And because they, they weren't uh, harvesting the sheep as food, that means that the shepherd's job is to keep the sheep alive and happy. And that if the shepherd's job is to keep the sheep happy, then, then they are to, they, the sheep could have this kind of long and prosperous life with the shepherd. See how that works. And the sheep begin to learn the shepherd's intention. Remember what Jesus says in this John chapter 10. Remember he says the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the shepherd's purpose, we talked about it last week. What's the pastor's purpose? You remember? To give them a rich and satisfying life. You see, intention is important in our relationships. Are you, are you plugging in with your friends because of what you'll get? Or are you plugging in with people to give them a rich and satisfying life? You see, the sheep learn from the shepherd that the shepherd's intention is not to kill or steal or destroy, but to provide a super abundance of life. Now, let me apply this. Look, listen to this, how this works. How does it feel to know that Jesus, our good shepherd, knows everything about you? That's what scripture says, even the hairs on your head. You know, some of us, that's not very hard. <laughs> but like, do you believe that? Do you believe that, that there is a God and that he knows everything about you? 
Uh, do you believe that, that he knows all your good traits and all the traits that you wish no one knew? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he knows you better than maybe you know yourself? The hairs on your head, all your faults, your failings, the, the times you did or said things you regret. Yet in the midst, this is so important, in the midst of all that knowing, his intention towards you has never changed. Think about that. He knows you're good, you're bad. And yet his intention is to give you a super abundance of life. That's good news, isn't it? Doesn't that feel good? That's what it is to Gnosko. Gnosko is a commitment to learning, commitment to time, commitment to, to intent. My intention is, is to not to, to take or to hurt or to harm. My intention in creating a relationship with, with my neighbors isn't for my benefit, but to give life. And it, it is this kind of intention that can look past all the failings and mistakes and, and see some part of, of you that is good and worthy. And Gnosko requires intimacy. You know, uh, we've talked about this, this relationship between shepherd and sheep, but, but sheep were not pets. Um, uh, a pet is, is some lesser designation uh, not worthy of the status of what these animals have become. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because maybe you have a, a four-legged uh, uh, creature that, that uh, is, is, is a part of, of your life, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? These, these, these creatures are not pets, but you refer to them as members of the family. Now, to me, a cat is a waste of fur, <laughs> and, and I, when I see a dog about this size, I just think rat. Um, and even the thought of this, some of you are deeply offended right now, right? Because these are not creatures. These are not pets. They have somehow transcended their status in the world. And you can, I know who you are because I see pictures of these family members all over your Facebook page. Right? They have become members of the family. Do you have those, not just four-legged kind, but do you have those people in your life, you know, you're, you're not related, you know, there's no blood ties between you and this other person, but, but because of your, and, and the only word that, that really fits, because of your intimate knowledge of each other, your, your relationship has gone beyond the bounds of what could be called friendship, they are family. You feel that way? man, these, these aren't our friends. They're, they're family. We treat them like family. 
Isn't it awesome to have these kind of relationships? You know, we have, we have family that aren't family, but we have family that live in Pensacola, and we have family that aren't family that live in Texas, and we may not see them every week, but when we get to see them, how long does it take us to get right back into the thick of things? No time, right? No time. It just happens. Boom. It's easy. They've transcended something. We're not just friends, man. It's, it's, it's something completely different. And it feels good to be around them because they know all my junk, right? And in fact, that's usually a conversation piece when we get back together. You remember that time? But I don't have to pretend, you know, they, they, they know. It. And if I try to start to be something that I'm not or pretend that I'm something I'm not, they can call me out in a second. And so, so I can put all of that away. I don't have to pretend anymore. I can just be, Right? good, bad. You know, they, they know everything about me. They, they know all my baggage. They've seen all my, my dirty laundry. And yet they choose still to hang around. This is the kind of relationship the Good Shepherd shares with his sheep. This is the relationship Jesus wants for us. Look what he says in John chapter 17, verse 23. I love this passage. Jesus says, I am in them and you are in me. May they, may we experience such a perfect, what's that word? May they experience such a perfect unity that the world, that everyone else will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's a powerful kind of gnosko we're talking about now, right? Even the language that he uses in, in John, in, in this John chapter 10, Jesus says it again and again and again. He, he says... Um, you, uh, speaking to God, he says, you are in me and I am in you. That's what he says. He says this relationship between God and himself is, is this tight. I mean, it can't be breaking. This, this relationship is father to son. We, that's how well we know each other. We know each other. We're not just friends. We're not just acquaintances, but we're family. And Jesus says in Scripture, he says, that is exactly what I offer every single one of you. He says, I am in them and you are in me. And what they were before doesn't matter because all of that has been transcended and now they have achieved a new status. In Scripture, sometimes they use the word adopted. Are you with me? So Gnosko is to invest in learning, to invest in, in time with, with others, time with God, to, to pay attention to intention. But, but it also requires this kind of uh, familial intimacy. It is a movement from friend or acquaintance to family. You know, no shepherd would leave 99 pets to go find one. But a father will leave everything to find his son. 
find us. To gnosko God is, is like a relationship between father and son. All right, so are you getting an idea of what it, the power of this word gnosko and, and all that it means? It's a loaded word, comes packed with, with these ideas of learning and time and intention and intimacy, all these, all these different elements. Now I want to apply that towards our mission. The, the two greatest commands in Scripture, you know what those are? Essentially, it is first to love God and then to love our neighbors. If we unpack that a little bit, and you gave me a little bit of poetic license, what if the way to love God and to love our neighbors is to gnosko God and gnosko our neighbors. Jesus says in John 17, verse 26, talking, talking about his mission, he says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may, myself may be in them. And again, we get that intimate language. So that I'm in you and, and you and them. And he says, my mission is that I have made you known to them and will continue to make you gnosko. Our mission is... To love God and love others. But what if our mission is to know God and really know our neighbors? How are they going to know God if, how are you going to love God if you don't know Him? How are you going to love your neighbors if you don't know them? You know, it comes up every now and then of, well, you know, I'm challenging you to go and grow disciples, make disciples, you know, and, and, we, sometimes people push back and say, well, I'm just supposed to cold call people and just start in the yellow pages or the white pages on number one, do you know Jesus? Why, or no, why not? That, that, I guess that might work, but really the path, really the example of Jesus as it relates to our mission is to gnosko our neighbors, to invest in learning, What do they like? What do they value? What's really important to them? To spend time with them. And, and time that, that comes with the intention of giving life. To make the purpose of my time, to, my, my time with you is, is my purpose is to bless you. The purpose of my time spending with you is to encourage you. The purpose of my time is to give you life and then invite them into a deeper intimate relationship with God they're not just friends anymore but they have become family what if our job is like Jesus to make him 
known through knowing. So in just a minute, we're going we're gonna to take some communion, uh, enter into our time of communion. And I'm going to give you some homework. Uh, on the tables here are, are the elements of communion, the, the body and the, the blood, the, the bread and the cup, which represent the broken body and blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, communion is an intimate experience of knowing, right? If you think about it, entering into this time of knowing God more, opening yourself, allowing Him to know you in deeper ways. And so I challenge you to enter into this time as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us so that our sins would be forgiven, so that we could know God, right? Sin is the barrier to knowledge of God, right? Sin is what creates distance between us and God. So Jesus died so that all that distance would be removed, those barriers would be removed, so that we could know him. Jesus' purpose is that I've come to make him known. So today is your chance in communion, in our time of worship. You can know God. Not just know about, but you can know him. And so as we take communion, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of homework if you're comfortable doing this. Uh, I just challenge you to get to know somebody. As you take communion, get to know your neighbor. Maybe, maybe take communion with someone else and say, what, what can I pray for? How can I bless you? How can I encourage you? Um, tell me a little bit about your hopes or your dreams, or, or tell me a little bit about your life. What, what's your week been like this week? Doesn't it start with easy, small questions like that, right? Show an interest in learning more about someone else. And, and so um, I know we've got some teenagers in here. Man, ask them some questions. They'll feel so awkward. It'll be great. It'll be glorious. But if we're going to share Christ, we're going to grow followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to bring people, draw them in as sheep beneath the shepherd, we're going to have to know people, right? We're going to have to invest in relationships. I love one of the questions that came out of Aspen Grove at one point was, uh, I was challenged, like, go, I want you to share your faith, I want you to grow followers of Jesus Christ. And, and someone said, well, I don't know anyone who's not a Christian. And, and my response was, well, you, well, you need new friends. Make some new friends, right? Invest in knowing someone else. So I, I just ask you in just a minute, I'll pray and we'll send us to a time of communion. But I wonder, do you know him? This morning, did, was this all just about knowing about God? Or, or are you ready to step into something deeper? Do you know him because you're, you're learning more each day about who he is and, and you're making time and you, you're, you're, you're trusting his intention for your life and, and experiencing what it means to be in perfect unity, part of the family, that, that you and I are sons and daughters, adopted sons and daughters of God. And if you know him, are you making him known? How are you building relationships, knowing others so that you can share who he is with others? Good news is it's not too late. You can start today. I invite you as we enter into a time of communion to confess your sins. Confess your sins before God. Remove any barriers that, that stand in your way. Remove anything that's created distance between you and him. Start today.
So in just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer, and uh, I'll also give you a chance to, uh, uh, as you get to know each other, which you guys uh, are, are already good at, as you take communion, get to know each other, and, and I know this makes some of you feel uncomfortable, but man, this is, I think this is right at the heart of gospel. Um, I'll also give you a chance to respond, because some of you have stuff going on, and uh, if there is stuff going on in your heart that we can pray for you, or encourage you, or, or you just need to share, maybe you've just been sideways, um, man, I've been so sideways this week because of my attitude or my job or something going on, then our elders, our, our shepherds here are here, and I'm here. I'm just going to move to the front. Man, I, I want that opportunity to pray for you. That's who we are. This isn't about, um, I'm, I'm not better than you. I don't need, need prayers more or less than you. I, we're all in this together. Are you with me? And so I know some of you have been struggling with some stuff and, and you have, you've been hesitant to ask for prayers or, or maybe to respond. And man, I, I just pray you wouldn't feel any, any anxiousness about that at all, but you would just know this is the spot. This is the moment. God's called you for this, to this place and we are family. And so I don't care what baggage you bring or what stuff you've got going on that, that I invite you into that, that, that intimacy of, of Christ and what he's doing in this church. So let me say a prayer for us. I'll invite you to a time of communion. Father God, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, for, for his word. What a powerful, what a powerful word he, he offers to, to be our example, the prototype, the good shepherd, inviting us to, to know him, to know you. Through him, Father God, we get, we get, we get firsthand experience. God, we, we have your book, we have your textbook, we have the Word of God right in front of us, but God, it'll never replace the experience of knowing you. And so, Father God, I, I pray that you would drive us out of this kind of head knowledge place. I, I pray that, that you would shake our faiths and wake us up a little bit so that, so that there, would, there would be no appearance of kind of this, uh, this academic knowledge, rigid, boring thoughtfulness about you. Father God, it's, it's more important for us to be able to, to speak to who you are in our life and what you've done in our life than it is for us to, to, to quote scripture accurately. So Father God, I, I pray that you would wake up in us uh, uh, that kind of deep, intimate, experiential gnosko. And at the same time, Father God, as 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 your son gave us this example, man, he was always seeking to know. He was, he was at the houses of sinners and tax collectors and in the company of sinners all the time and investing in time and energy and knowing them. Father God, let us follow that example. As Christians, as, as followers, as, as, as junior pastors, God, we, we can't settle just to, to kind of stay huddled in our own pen, but you're calling us into the world to, to know others and make you known. So, Father God, I, I pray that this message would be received. I pray right now that, that, that hearts would be open to, to, uh, to, the, to the truth, to the reality, to the adventure, to the mystery, to the romance of what it is to truly, truly know you. Father God, we thank you so much for this time and as we enter in this time of communion, we remember that this, is, this knowledge of you is only possible because of your son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross for us. So, Father God, we love you. And in your son, Jesus' name, everyone together says,
Amen. I dismiss you to a time of communion. Take a few moments, get to know each other as you share communion.